are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's sponsor is rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Be sure to visit their website and tell them that Locked On sent you. It's Tuesday. We're 25 days away from the start of the Razorback football season. And we get to at least be able to hear some press conferences and get to hear from players and, and whatnot, which is great. And, you know, kind of gives you an idea of who's doing what and why and where and how and all that fun stuff. And, you know, it's just awesome. It's absolutely awesome to see and to feel and to hear and to, you know, just uh, just football season's awesome. But, you know, each day, at least here in the early going of fall camp, there has been particular players or position groups or whatnot meeting with the media at particular players and times. And so it, it was really cool because you got to hear some running backs, you got to hear from the quarterback, you got to hear from wide receivers, you know, whatever it is. Well, tonight or this afternoon, we got to hear from the linebackers. And in this particular case, Grant Morgan and Hayden Henry, which – you know, these are guys that have been around the program a long time. Grant Morgan especially has been very successful in the role that he's been in uh, as being the captain of this team and the great defensive player and led the SEC in tackles and all of that. But he said something that was really interesting to me uh, about Arkansas football. And uh, I wish I could play the clip, but again, it just it's hard to get for some reason audio to, to make this work. But anyways, I'll just have to paraphrase it. And if you need a reference point, just... Uh, look at the video that I put on my social media post with along with this uh, podcast. So you'll be able to check it out and see for yourself. But essentially what he has said is that we at Arkansas want to get back to a being a physical team, a physically dominant team, which is cliche and all that. But that's that's not the point. The point is, is that he brought up specifics. He's like, when you think about, you know, that team that had Darren McFadden, yeah, Darren McFadden was fast and everything, but he was physical or he'd run you over. He's like, think about Felix Jones and, you know, kind of the same thing. He was fast, but he had a physicality to him. Peyton Hillis, the same thing. He's like, that's what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to get back to that because that's always been the most successful Razorback football teams is when we had a lot of physicality to go along with us. And I started thinking about that, and obviously he's right, and, he, and he's a totally correct. And I started thinking about all the other teams, like that Bobby Petrino teams, those back-to-back seasons in 2010-2011. You know, would they, were they the most physical team you know, maybe not in the same way as the Darren McFadden teams, but if you think about it, I mean, they still had a really good offensive line. Uh, they had a guy like Niall Davis, which was extremely tough, and he would he would go right at you. They had guys like Broderick Green that could do that, and Dennis Johnson was a little mini bowling ball back there. Uh, they had wide receivers that had a lot of speed, uh, but also physicality. Chris Gregg, a tight end, who was very physical as well. The defense, the defensive line, Trey Flowers, Chris Smith, guys like that very physical especially up front and I was trying to think back to I was like well when was the last time Arkansas had a really physical team especially offensively because defensively I think Arkansas probably had one in 2014 with Trey Flowers Darius Phylon Marshall Spate and all that but the last time they actually had a physical team may have been that year with Bobby Petrino because you know Brett Bielma always talked about physicality you know we want to out Bama Bama and we want to out LSU LSU 
Well, you can't do that when you don't have mental toughness and physical toughness. And that team, those teams under Brett Bielma, did not have the physical toughness needed to do what they needed to do in the SEC. Best year they had was going five and three. Should have been better than that. But you got out physical by Toledo and Texas Tech earlier in the year. So, you know, it wasn't consistent. It may have been at times, but it wasn't consistent. But Grant Morgan knows what he's talking about. He knows that there are elements to this team right now where it's not just about something that you're born with. You're born with physicality. It's something you're coached to be and you're taught to be and you practice to be and you play to be extremely tough in all facets of the game. Arkansas has to be that this year. And they have to be that way to be successful in the SEC. And the reason being is because they're not always going to be the most talented. In fact, I would make the argument that there won't be a single time in the future of Razorback football where they'll be the most talented team in the SEC. Just being honest. There's probably never going to be a time where they're the most talented team in the SEC. There's probably never going to be a time where they're the fastest team in the SEC. But the thing is, is that when it comes to the game of football especially, when you don't have the same amount of talent that maybe the team across from you does, you got to make up for it somehow. Some places like to make up for it by having great coaching schemes and uh, good play calling and all of that. Sometimes it's made up for by just you know, taking advantage of opportunities, of fumbles and turnovers, and making sure that you don't do those things. Sometimes it's done that way. But the majority of the time it's done because you can at least be as physical as the other team. Maybe not as talented, but as physical. Not backing down, mentally or physically. Always going after whoever it is, whenever they, you can, and never looking back. That's what makes Arkansas football so great. And that's why this team needs to be that way this year. They got size now. K.J. Jefferson's a big old guy. I mean, we know Traylon Burks is massive there. The tight ends, like Blake Kern's a big dude. The offensive line's bulked up. The defensive line's huge. The linebackers, are, like Jalen Catalan's a man. Like, they have the physical size to do really well in the SEC. But can they make up also for it by being mentally tough? By not letting the fourth quarter get in their way of fatigue? You can look the part, but can you be the part? That's going to be the difference between this year and a few years ago. I think they can. I think Sam Pittman's made a very conscientious effort to make sure that that happens. Brad Crawford of 247 Sports, 247 Sports. I don't know which one's called, but because people told me things differently. Anyways, he's going to be joining us next. Talk a little college football, but want to remind everybody that betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online using your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or your mobile device again to sign up today, and you'll receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, right now, let's go to the phone lines and welcome in the guy that does such a great job covering college football for 24-7 sports, friend of the show, friend of the podcast, and knows his stuff, and it is Brad Crawford of 24-7 sports. Brad, appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? Yeah, what's up, John? I almost didn't come on today after you guys showed that highlight footage of Arkansas, South Carolina, when you 
Man, that was ugly. Ugly game for Gamecock. Yeah, we were actually talking about that a little bit because I honestly didn't even put two and two together. But, you know, we were uh-huh. we were kind of tweeting back and forth and just, you know, like Arkansas remembers that game more so, obviously, for Darren McFadden, Felix Jones and their performance. But it's just, you know, you don't really see much of that anymore in college football, much less in the SEC where you have running backs going for those types of crazy numbers. Like a good game, a great game, would be like 150 yards these days. But a game like that just seems like it was uh, so far away and we may never see it again. Yeah, I think I'm, I miss seeing running backs, you know, knock off 75-yard touchdown runs. Man, that was, that was a lot of fun. And the SEC certainly had a bunch of running backs a decade ago who could do that. Brad, being connected to South Carolina, what kind of expectations do you have for them year in and year out? What, what's the expectation from a fan standpoint for South Carolina? Yeah, I think all Gamecock fans need to temper expectations a little bit, especially with SEC expansion coming up, man. I mean, right now, I think the Gamecocks are a team at at best, a, a program that if they're able to manage, you know, consistent eight and four type years, that's probably going to be the, the best it's going to get in in Columbia, maybe the occasional nine-win season if Florida or, or Georgia's down. But, you know, Gamecock's permanent rival being Texas A&M, they have not beaten them so far in, in seven meetings, I think, since A&M joined the SEC. And, you know, right now they're a program in transition. Um, still still don't have the, the talent within that too deep to compete against the likes of, you know, the, the Georgias, Floridas, and, and the Aggies every year. So, um, obviously, Gamecock fans want to win the SEC East and, and get to Atlanta just like everybody else in the league. But, man, talking about how how tough that conference is going to be here in a couple of years with Longhorns and Sooners joining, I mean, it really is, you know, cream of the crop in college football. You know, since you brought it up, it is funny because Arkansas-South Carolina joined the conference in 92 at the same time. Uh, we know that Texas A&M and Missouri then joined uh, back in about 2014, and now you see Oklahoma and Texas going to be joining. As South Carolina, does it, does it look at – obviously it's going to have an impact on the entire conference, but – is it something that you really even look at because, hey, you're, you're on the other side of the conference, you're not going to be probably in the same division or the pod or anything about it? Or is it something that maybe does kind of worry South Carolina? It's like, man, this conference just got even better and it's going to be even tougher to try and win this thing. Yeah, I think Gamecock fans know that this schedule, just like Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas having to play in the black and blue division, so to speak, in the SEC West, playing, you know, six or seven ranked teams every year now, one, one second, I know you can join I think it'll be interesting, John, to see just how the SEC breaks up the scheduling, whether, you know, we go to a pod system or it's cut down the middle east-west, you know, depending on where that line is drawn. Maybe maybe Auburn or Alabama goes to the east, something like that. So um, I think the real question is, you know, how soon are we going to see the Horns and Sooners playing an SEC schedule? Or are we going to see that in two years? Is it going to be 2025 like it's been reported? I, I can assure you that with – with ESPN sort of playing uh, puppet master behind the scenes here, uh, we're going to see Texas Oklahoma play an SEC schedule uh, within a year or two. Brad, what is your preference as far as the pods and divisions? What do you like better? If I was an athlete uh, coming into the SEC, man, I would I would like to be able to have the opportunity to play every team at least once during my you know three or four seasons at at the program I signed with. You know, I. I think it's crazy that um, Alabama travels to Gainesville in, in September this season. That's the first time I think Nick Saban will have played at Ben Hill Griffin in, in more than 10 years. So kind of wild. Uh, South Carolina being being a viewer of, of those games over the years, I mean, there's 
several teams that the Gamecocks only play, you know, once every seven or eight seasons. So as a, as a fan, as a reporter, um, and then, you know, a prospective student athlete joined the SEC down the road, you know, somebody would, I'm sure they would enjoy playing, you know, some SEC West teams, even if they sign with an Eastern Division program. We'll continue our discussion with Brad Crawford here in just a second. But first, I got to tell you that this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the car parts you will ever need. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why did you choose to choose spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy website to use today and find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Being with Brad Crawford of 247 Sports right now and Out of Bounds. Brad, looking at the college football polls that, of course, start to come out, the coaches' poll is officially released. Yep. And uh, there were a few things that, you know, stood out. I don't think it was any surprise. In fact, it was kind of boring because you see Bama, yep. Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, the top four teams, which seems to be the top four teams at the end of the year also. But was there anything that really stood out to you as far as maybe some surprise, a team that was maybe too high, too low, anything like that? Yeah, a few surprises. I thought uh, Gus Malzahn taking the job at UCF might get him into the top 25. They were receiving votes. Um, three G5 programs got in. I think it was Cincinnati at number 10, and then Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, uh, John, is, is a team that I think has a great shot to make the New York's New Year's Six. Um, you know, they're going to probably run the table, and, and they bring back 19 starters, and they're ranked number 24. So probably not enough respect for Coastal Carolina. But then, you know, the, one of the bigger surprises to me was Texas being inside the top 20. Um, obviously, UT has the names. Steve Sarkeesian is a sexy hire among media members and, and coaches who vote in this poll. So, um, you know, I don't think Texas right now is a, is a top 20 team. Certainly could be by the end of the season, but I mean, look, the Longhorns finished last year at number 20 with, with seven wins and had a four-year starter at quarterback in Sam Ellinger. So um, that, that's a lot to ask for, for Sark to, in, in year one, you know, probably finish eight and four or nine and three in order to make that top 20. Any other SEC teams you feel like should have been in that top 25? Auburn was one that received the most votes as far as being right outside that top 25, but you have Auburn, Kentucky, you uh, you feel like maybe they could have snuck in there and and another team could have been out. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite bets this season, actually looking at the like preseason over under win totals in the SEC, is Kentucky over seven. I mean, looking at that schedule and what the Wildcats have coming back, I mean they're probably going to be better at quarterback. They got arguably the best SEC transfer this off season, and Wondell Robinson from Nebraska. I think he's going to have actually more of an impact than Eric Gilbert will at at tight end at Georgia. So um, I think Kentucky's a team that that could certainly finish 8-4, and 9-3, and, and crack that top 25. And then um, LSU at number 13 this morning. Um, I think the Tigers are somewhat undervalued. Obviously, they had the SEC's best quarterback room coming back prior to that injury to, to Miles Brennan. Not sure how long he's going to be out yet, but looks like Mac Johnson's the guy for Coach Allen. I mean, that's a that's a loaded roster. If they're even a, you know, a tinge better on defense, 
they're, they're probably going to win nine or ten games. You know, you mentioned LSU, and I always just find them fascinating because we know the quarterback situation they find themselves in. Miles Brennan, uh, you know, with his injury, looks like he could be out for a significant time. They were just atrocious on defense last year. So what is it about the Tigers that their people are looking at saying, yeah, this is the 13th best team in the country? What's kind of the thing that's holding them together and people believing that they can be a team that's a top 15 squad? Yeah, I think if, if you look at our team talent composite rankings at 24-7 sports, man, you can see – Within that two deep, I mean, it's a it's a top six roster, uh, talent wise. You know, based on star ratings, I know they they've got their shoulder on the field, and Coach O and the Tigers certainly didn't do that last season after coming off that national title. But you know, all those players that that took those ones at, at five and five last year, they're a year older, a year wiser, and I think you're going to see much better defensive play. Coach O has alluded to it throughout the off season, man. That just you know they they ran a defense last season under Bo Pelini that was too complicated for some of the guys. And, I mean, these are mostly five-star athletes that had linebacker and in the secondary, Eli Ricks, Derek Stingley, two of the top corners in college football. If you just simplify things and let those guys play, man, they, they should be a lot better. This year. So I think the, the big question is, you know, Max Johnson at, at quarterback. We saw him beat Florida on the road last year in the swamp. Um, pretty good environment there against, the, you know, Pretty bad defense in the Gators, but but still a good game for for a freshman to win on the road. So I think the uh, Tiger fans and that offensive coaching staff are expecting big things out of him. The top four in the coaches' poll: Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State. They're the usual suspects. Is there? Uh, and and yep. this is there are a lot of people talking about Georgia. That Georgia could possibly overtake Bama for the SEC this year. But outside of those teams. Do you see uh, any team that could possibly jump into that college football playoff? I think North Carolina is a team that certainly could. They've got 10 starters back defensively. Only starter they lost was linebacker Shaz Surratt, and they have arguably the top quarterback in the country, depending on who you ask, returning in Sam Howell. I mean, he's going to battle Oklahoma's Spencer Rattler for the top pick in next year's draft. And look, fellas, I mean, Mac Brown in really short order has worked wonders in that program in Chapel Hill. It's about an hour away from me here in North Carolina. I mean, you know, I I go around town and hear people talking about Tar Heel football, and that's, that's never happened growing up in this state. It's always Tar Heel and Duke basketball, Tobacco Road this and, and Tobacco Road that. So uh, he's got fans excited, and I, I think the schedule, you know, if they don't they don't play Clemson during the regular season, and if, if they can get past uh, Miami and, you know, win the ACC Coastal, they certainly got a shot because one thing we know, usually before the playoff, Clemson is not battle-tested, and really the only game the Tigers will be tested in this season is, is going to be that opener against Georgia. So I think uh, UNC-Clemson will be a very good ACC championship game matchup. Also for the Big 12, we know about the usual suspects there as far as Oklahoma and their number three in these rankings. But does Iowa State have a realistic chance of winning the Big 12? They certainly do. Uh, Matt Campbell is probably the nation's best coach at getting the most out of his players. Um, he does not have that same elite roster that we talked about at you know, Georgia and LSU, Oklahoma, Bama, Clemson. Yet Iowa State should be considered among those elite teams. In, in my own preseason rankings, I've got Iowa State number five, um, excuse me, number six, ahead of Texas A&M. I, I just think, you know, with Brock Purdy back at quarterback, they're, they're experienced there. A&M is not experienced at quarterback. And then they've got Brees Hall, who has a chance to lead college football in, in rushing this season if he stays healthy and gets enough attempts. So 
this will be Matt Campbell's best team in Ames. Uh, just not sure if you know they're going to be able to um, kind of get back to the Big 12 championship game like they did last season. Now, you're going back to Mac Brown, what is it about him? Because it's like that dude is so old that you feel like yeah. old coaches would just end up being all old school and saying, all right, well, I'm going to do it the way right. it's always done. But when he got hired by North Carolina, I was kind of like, okay, like maybe he makes him competitive. But it's just one of those things that we know what he did at Texas, and I'm sure Texas maybe has some regrets by letting him go. But what is it about his coaching style that for an old guy, he's able to stick with it and make his team, especially at North Carolina, which isn't exactly a powerhouse, be so competitive? Yeah. Yeah, he's been able to retain a lot of these top-end guys in North Carolina, man. I mean, a lot of four- and five-star guys, the first three recruiting classes from Mac Brown, they, they've signed with him. I think he has a very good staff, Bill Longo, former Ole Miss guy. Obviously, he coaches a sexy offense that, that kids in this state want to play for. Um, hiring Dre Bly was a excellent hire. Dre is one of UNC's top recruiters. He has also landed several several key guys in the secondary of the third and Then I think most of all, I mean, just being Nike and Jordan Brand's flagship school has just really helped recruiting. I mean, they've they've pumped millions of dollars into facilities at UNC, and I mean, had. I may sound like a broken record, guys, but when you're able to bring kids on campus now out of COVID on these visits and, you know, show them, you know, some of the Taj Mahal-type type, uh, facilities in college football like, like UNC and Clemson have, I think it really matters. So, Mac, Mac Brown still has relationships as well with a lot of these high school football coaches in the state who have coached at these programs for, you know, 15 to 20 years. So, uh, Mac Brown, in, in short order, has done a heck of a job with North Carolina. I got a wild one for you. I'm looking at the top ten, and obviously you have a good grasp of who it is. You got coaches like Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, uh, Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, talking about Kirby Smart, Jimbo Fisher, Brian Kelly, Matt Campbell, yep. uh, of course with North Carolina, the guy we've just been talking about with Mac Brown. Looking at the top ten, like if there was a coach that's in the top ten in this preseason that is not going to be at their respective school next year, who would you think would be the most likely? Not saying for sure it would happen, but who would you say would be the most likely that a coach either ends up leaving, retires, gets fired, whatever it may be that may be in the top ten right now? I'm going to go with Luke Fickle, a Cincinnati head coach at number ten. Um, I think he is the best group of five head coach right now. Um, I think Cincinnati has another shot to win 11 games, possibly go unbeaten. And if the Bearcats do that this season, y'all, then that means they're going to beat Wisconsin and Notre Dame. I think both of those ranked teams are on Cincinnati's schedule. So we're talking about a G5 program that, you know, is facing a quality schedule and, and should get to the New Year's Six if, if they're able to be the, you know, best team out of there. But Luke Fickle, I mean, he he's loved in Big Ten circles. You know, there's some um, top-end Big Ten programs right now that might not be on that great a footing with their head coach. And I'm, I'm not going to mention any programs in particular. You've got to come to know. But um, Luke Fickle's a great coach, defensive-minded coach, not – not one of these offensive-minded guys that are that are winning a ton of games right now. He's he's kind of the opposite. So um, great recruiter where he is, and I, I don't I don't think Luke is going to be a lifer in the G5 range. He's going to jump to one of these big-time programs and win a lot of games there. Yeah, it's funny that you, that you brought that up because I'm kind of with you, and I kind of think it's the same thing. Where if he does make the jump, it's going to be into the Big Ten. And I know you didn't mention names, but you know whether it's a, a situation with Michigan. Or yep. you know maybe uh, I don't I don't because like for instance like a I don't know like is he going to be that coach that's like he's going to it's going to be a big time power five program like not like 
he'll go to Purdue from Cincinnati? Do you feel like it'll be a big-time program if he decides to make the jump? Yeah, I think it'll be a big-time program, a a place where, where he can immediately bring in a top class and, and be a top-20 program. Luke, Luke doesn't strike me um, as a guy who would try to, you know, bring sort of a no-name program um, out of the out of the cellar. I, I think he's a guy who's been sort of waiting for his opportunity at, at one of these major jobs. And let's be honest, a, a ton of major jobs haven't come open in recent years. Maybe maybe two or three years ago when the Nebraska job came open, that, that cycle was probably the wildest one that I can remember in, in recent memory. But, yeah, man, Luke's the guy who, who's just going to continue to pile up wins. And I think depending on how he fares this season in games against Wisconsin and Notre Dame, like I mentioned, I mean, that's going to really improve his stock a bit. With some of this conference expansion that's going on, there's talk down the line that we could – we've heard about super conferences, and we were thinking four yep. at the time. But it could possibly get to three or two, depending on how big these conferences expand to. Do you think, coming from a group of five, a, a school like a Cincinnati, like a Central Florida, that they would have a chance to jump into one of these major conferences? I think a school like UCF certainly would because you're you're getting that that Orlando Central Florida uh, TV audience. Um, you know we already we already know how well the Florida Miami games are, are viewed on television. Florida State too, even though they're they're a little bit down right now. But but UCF is always a team that has has struck me that if if they can improve facilities, you know they already have a rabid fan base. I think it's the uh, there's some some crazy amount of a student body, fifty thousand or so there. In outside of Orlando, so UCF's a program that a few years ago the Big 12 actually visited down there, and there there weren't many direct flights from from Big 12 cities to Orlando, and that was sort of one of the holdups um, when when UCF tried to jump into the Big 12 several years ago. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, UCF has a lot to offer, certainly more than, in my opinion, a a Boise State or a Cincinnati or or a Memphis. Well, Brad, as always, man, we appreciate you hopping on with us, and uh, it's great to talk some college football with you. And I I won't apologize for using that South Carolina highlight because, let's be honest, Arkansas doesn't have many of those over the past few years, so we got to take what we can get over here. They needed the Tommy Manatee defensive drills video, man. That was was ugly. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. We appreciate it, Brad. Have a good week, man. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.